Hi, this is Gilberto Schacht from Higher Regional Court Munich 1 and you are listening to IP Fridays. Hello and welcome to this episode of IP Fridays. Our names are Ken Suzanne and Rolf Clayson and this is the podcast dedicated to intellectual property. It does not matter where you are from, in-house or private practice, novice or expert, We will help you stay up to date with current topics in the fields of trademarks, patents, design and copyright, discover useful tools, and much more. Welcome to episode 130 of IP Fridays. Together with my co-host Ken Suzen, I welcome you to this episode. And as usual, before we jump into the interview with Hubertus Schacht, who is our guest today, um, and we will talk about the Nagoya Protocol and what implications it has on, especially on litigation and on patent strategy of pharmaceutical companies and also especially the litigation of pharmaceutical patents from US companies. Before we jump into this interview, I have some news for you. Ford received an injunction in Germany um, and they cannot, um, at least the injunction says that they cannot sell cars anymore in Germany. That was um, quite an interesting decision. Uh, Ford obviously had forgotten or did not take a license of certain mobile phone patents. Um, most of the car manufacturers have taken a license and Ford so far had refused to take a license of these patents and now probably they had to learn the hard way. Let's see how the second instance will come along and let's see how the how that case will evolve. The European Patent Office um, opened voting for the European Inventor Award 2022. So if you want to vote for your favorite inventor, you can do so at popular-prize.epo.org. The link is in in the description. The EPO has also informed the public that it will no longer distribute Uh, copies and documents attached to parties' submissions, including patent and non-patent literature cited in party submissions, as well as documents containing amendments, such as amended sets of claims. And they will not be uh, automatically forwarded to parties. They can be downloaded in the online file. Now let's jump into the interview with Dr. Hubertus Schacht. Today's guest is Hubertus Schacht. He is a judge at the Higher Regional Court in Munich 1, one of the main patent litigation courts in Germany and I would say in Europe. And his pet peeve is uh, the Nagoya Protocol. We are discussing whether an inventor is an inventor of the patent or also could be a biopirate. Thank you for being on the show. And maybe you can tell our listeners uh, a little bit more about you. Thank you, uh, Rolf, for having me here. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to uh, speak to you and, of course, your um, very distinguished audience. Um, as you already said, uh, I'm a judge at the regional, High Regional Court in uh, Munich uh, doing patent litigation. 
Um, I wrote my thesis on uh, patent law, and I also worked uh, before in, um, in the patent law department of the Federal Ministry of Justice, where one of my dossiers has been um, the Nagoyo Protocol. Um, when I, I, I am allowed to make a short disclaimer, um, I am a judge, uh, that is true, but uh, my, 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 my opinions uh, shared with you here, they are only my very personal views. Thank you. Yes, of course. I forgot. Uh, we are only discussing on a personal level. We are discussing his personal views. So um, I will, I will also, I'm also mentioning this below uh, the, in the show notes. Um, but I'm very grateful that you're on the show and that you, uh, because you have um, helped drafting uh, this um, protocol or you were involved in this protocol um, and the, the becoming of this protocol, maybe you can tell us a little more about um, the Nagoya protocol and what it is for. The... Um... I think the, the Nagoya protocol is about um, access and benefit sharing. Uh, so we, 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 we call it shortly ABS, ABS provisions. Um, basically, it's about, um, as it says, access and benefit sharing of uh, biological or genetic resources and traditional knowledge uh, concerning genetic resources. The Nagoya Protocol is a, is a kind of part of uh, the um, Convention on Biological Diversity. I'm not sure whether many of you um, have ever known about this uh, this convention. It is uh, uh, it was adopted in the CBD Convention on Biological Diversity um, was adopted in 1992 at the United Nations Conference on Environment and Development in the Rio de Janeiro, the so-called Earth Summit. And the, this convention, the CBD, is uh, the only international instrument comprehensively addressing biological diversity. It uh, has, in fact, three objectives, which there are the conservation of biological diversity, the sustainable use of its component and the fair and equitable sharing of benefits arising from the utilization of genetic resources. And to tackle this uh, third uh, goal, the fair and equitable sharing of benefits arising from the utilization of genetic resources, the Nagoya protocol um, was uh, developed. Um, it's called um, Nagoya protocol because it was uh, adopted at the, at the summit in Nagoya, Japan. Um, the Nagoya Protocol has its goal um, to be an international regime within the framework of the CBD to promote and safeguard the fair and equitable sharing of benefits arising from the utilization of genetic resources. Okay, and um, my take is that this protocol has been put into law both in the EU and in Germany already. Um, so what other countries have been ratifying the Nagoya protocol? And um, yeah, maybe you can share a little bit about the territorial scope, the current scope of the Nagoya protocol. I think um, basically a lot of uh, countries have already uh, are already members or signatory states of the um, CBD as well as the Nagoya Protocol. I think all EU member states 
um, are signatory states as well as the uh, EU itself. However, uh, one major player, uh, one major country, of course, um, the United States of America, they are not a uh, member or signatory state of the Nagoya Protocol. But um, before now, all your, your, all your um, uh, US audience um, uh, will start making something other and not listen, listen anymore to us because they say, well, we are not interested in because we are not a signatory states. Signatory state, I don't think it is might be that easy right <laughs> so um just to give the listeners a little bit background what this mm -hmm. uh, really means the nagoya protocol my understanding uh, from before the nagoya protocol was that um for corporations or any inventors basically could just find out that um, a certain compound or a certain substance from let's say a rare plant or a rare organism from the deep sea or something had some certain effects, basically, for example, being effective medicament against a certain cancer type or something. Um, and then they could um, just patent the use of this, um, this substance uh, against this particular um, disease or so. And um, this Nagoya protocol wants to bring some justice, basically, or some some uh, wants to introduce some fairness um, toward um, the, for example, indigenous tribes or so um, in this field. So maybe you can explain a little bit what the practical implications of Nag Nagoya protocol are. Yes. Um, you, you've just mentioned it. I think the um, the ABS provisions they were basically uh, driven by demands from the so-called um, developing uh, uh, countries, because so the 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 idea or the perception is that um, especially uh, countries in the in the in the southern hemisphere they have a lot of uh, say a lot of nature a lot of uh, genetic resources. And um, Western countries, Western companies uh, come over there, um, uh, grab the genetic resources, go back to the laboratories uh, in the West and develop uh, nice patents, nice blockbusters and uh, get all the, um, uh, get all the, uh, the benefits out, out from that without giving any pence uh, to the countries um, where the genetic res resources uh, come from. So, And this has to this has been seen as uh, unfair, and so it was, uh, as I said, an idea of the uh, Convention on Biological Diversity and uh, especially the Nagoya Protocol to to create an instrument um, which establishes a fair access access and benefit sharing of the use of of genetic resources and also the uh, traditional knowledge concerning. Uh, genetic resources. So it's uh, like um, uh, if you if you are interested in in genetic resources, you should come uh, at more broad daylight uh, to the government of uh, of a, of the country where the genetic resources uh, resource is um, is settled, 
and say, um, I've heard uh, that this, or I, I have the impression, I have the idea that uh, you have a special genetic resource and this might be very interesting for me because um, I could make a, this could be a promising um, drug candidate. Um, let's uh, agree on uh, on terms how to uh, how how i can access this genetic resource and how i can give you a fair share of uh, uh, benefits i might get uh, from uh, from this uh, from this final product so this right. is the basic idea of the nagoya protocol i think yes and um Looking at the Nagoya protocol, there is no really, not a really clear, obvious, direct link between patent law and Nagoya protocol. Um, however, of course, these are these the patent law and the Nagoya protocol are interlinked. Um, can you explain how this works? And uh, for example, um, if Article 53C EPC, uh, just as an example, is relevant here. You, you're perfectly right. I think so. Uh, a general perception would be, well, Nagoya protocol is about uh, compliance with uh, access and benefit uh, sharing provisions and has nothing to do with, with patent law. I think uh, uh, the patent lawyers all over the world, um, they think Nagoya protocol is not is not their, their cup of tea. I'm not so sure about that. Um, you just mentioned um, Article uh, 53 of the uh, European Caten Patent uh, Con Convention, which basically states in its uh, uh, paragraph A, oh, it says European patents shall not be granted in respect of inventions, the commercial exploitation of which would be contrary to order public or morality. So question would be if a company has uh, grabbed a genetic resource uh, from a country with a, which is uh, part of the Nagoya Protocol and is now um, 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 is, is now demanding for a patent for this uh, for this genetic for for this genetic resource or an, an, an application of this genetic resource and has not complied with any ABS provisions. Would this something uh, to be considered as being contrary to order public? So the, uh, the question would be, is the compliance with uh, Nagoya protocol uh, part of order public? Yes or no? That would be the first uh, question. Another question would be, well, um, Article 53 says uh, patents shall not be granted in respect of invention. The commercial exploitation is contrary to the order public. So another question would be, um, is the compliance of uh, um, ABS provisions part of commercial exploitation, or is it uh, something something before? From a from a first view, um, ABS compliance has nothing to do with commercial exploitation, uh, so it would not be uh, considered as um, as within the scope of Article 53, uh, Paragraph A. On the other side, if you say, well, um, uh, there has been some, there has been um, um, access and benefit uh, sharing according to the uh, to the Nagoya protocol, but they are obviously not really fair. They are using the patents, but um, uh, based on 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 agreed terms, which are absolutely unfair for the access providing country or the access providing tribe. Uh, one could say, well, it has, it has something to do with the commercial exploitation, exploitation, and then you might say, um, well, uh, this will not be, um, uh, this should be 
um, uh, a patent should not be granted in this respect. So um, basically, the Nagoya protocol also has an effect on patentability. Do I understand you correctly? It could have. So I'm curious, I have a question regarding the inventorship. If the large corporations are going to, for example, the Amazonas region and discover a tribe that is using a certain compound for treating a certain disease, um, would then these uh, tribesmen or women be co-inventors of the patent? Uh, how is that? Uh, how does that work out? Like, is there, um, yeah, can you explain that? Thank you very much for this question. Um, so I can only speak, of course, of the uh, of of the German law, but I think from from a German uh, point of view, um, uh, there would be very good chances uh, for this uh, uh, tribe or this uh, this uh, group of people um, to uh, to claim co-ownership. Um, as regards the uh, Nagoya Protocol and uh, the implementing EU regulation. Um, it is an obvious goal that traditional knowledge associated with genetic resources um, is protected by the access and benefit um, uh, sharing uh, provisions. So, um, yes, they could be uh, regarded as co-owners, which uh, leads, from my point of view, to rather practical uh, problems. Because one question would be, uh, might there be a, a buyout uh, of this uh, co-ownership? Um, one could say yes, but on the other hand, you at the same time, you would have to be uh, in compliance with the access and benefit sharing provisions of the Nagoya Protocol and of the EU, re and of the EU regulation. So um, there you should be very... Uh, 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 very cautious by... Uh, Try, by, by attempts to, to, to buy out the co-ownership. Another very practical problem from my point of view could be um, when there is a group of people or a tribe uh, as a co-inventor, um, with whom do I have to, um, uh, to negotiate? With, with the chief or do they need to, to, to build a, a, a legal entity? Um, Uh, this would be very interesting and is not, uh, from my point of view, uh, tackled by the by the uh, ABS provisions. Um, and two has to be uh, uh, registered in the uh, patent register as co-owner. Um, <laughs> rather practical uh, questions, but there might be some some so, some issues to to deal with. Yes. Yes, um, in um, in an article that you have recently uh, written, um, I saw that um, the basically a patent can be excluded from or um, an invention can be excluded from patentability if you violate the ABS regulations, the provisions. Um, would that be also... Um, Can that be used in, for example, in litigation? Um, or can you explain? Um, as for now, since I am a, um, a judge who deals uh, only with uh, patent infringement cases and ownership and co-ownership uh, cases, um, it never um, it, it never happened in our um, uh, court courtroom. But this that no, does not mean. Uh, that it will not happen uh, um, in some days. So um, 
we have the EU regulation, which implements uh, aims to implement the Nagoya Protocol. And do we have, uh, from my point of view, a very, very interesting uh, provision in this um, uh, implementing regulation of the European Union? It's Article uh, 4, Paragraph 5 um, of the regulation, and it says, uh, when the information uh, is insufficient or uncertainties about the legality of access and utilization persists, users, I mean the user of the of the genetic resources and of course the beneficiaries of the um, genetic resources shall shall obtain an access permit or its equivalent and establish mutually agreed terms so that means you should um, uh, stick to the abs provisions or discontinue utilization if you're a company which has a genetic resource as foundation of its patent and you sue another company for patent infringement um the defendant might come uh, to the very uh, nasty idea to claim um, that you are not entitled to uh, claim an injunction because you have not complied with the ABS provisions. Um, and then uh, the defendant could refer to this uh, uh, cited uh, Article 4, Paragraph 5 of the EU regulation, which basically says uh, if you cannot uh, prove or you have not um, uh, fully agreed with ABS provisions, um, you shall discontinue utilization. Another argument could be it's one of the recitals of the EU regulation. It's uh, recital 30, uh, which says that the members, member states should ensure that infringements of the rules implementing the Nagoya protocol, so the ABS provisions, are sanctioned by means of effective, proportionate, and dissuasive penalties. I would say uh, what is more uh, dissuasive uh, than to uh, uh, not allow uh, a patent uh, a patent holder to claim injunction if he has not um, if he has not complied with ABS provisions. And also, I would say um, utilization could also encompass uh, patenting. So discontinuing utilization that could also mean discontinue the protection of the patent. Definitely, yes. On the other hand, uh, you could say, well, um, these uh, whole ABS provisions, um, they are about uh, fair access and benefit sharing. And uh, because of that, they are uh, third parties, like the defendant, uh, they are not entitled uh, uh, to 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 uh, to claim uh, to claim uh, uh, provisions uh, which regard ABS uh, uh, which re which regard ABS and therefore the third party the defendant uh, will not be allowed to claim uh, let's say paragraph article uh, four paragraph five of the EU regulation this would be uh, the argument of um, of the of the claimant I think right but there has there has not been uh, any as far as to my knowledge, um, uh, no dispute, no uh, no infringement case in which this uh, um, this this question has has uh, already arisen. Let's see if there's case law building up regarding the Nagoya Protocol. Uh, we just talked about um, litigation of patents um, that is closely related to licenses because licenses are usually not taken on or sometimes not taken. Um, voluntarily. Um, so can you explain what this uh, could have, uh, the Nagoya protocol could have implications on license contracts and licensing? 
Well, I think uh, it's it's um, also if you if, if you have a patent uh, uh, regarding uh, genetic resources, you would have to apply the ABS uh, provisions. And uh, if you do not, your uh, your patent might be weak, and of course, uh, then the, um, the the worth of your licenses uh, are not also are not uh, all too high. So it would be very important uh, as well for the licensor, then for the licensee, uh, to to make sure uh, that the ABS uh, provisions are fulfilled. And uh, so they should be taken into account while um, uh, discussing uh, the terms of a, of a licensing um, agreement. On the other side, if you are a company and uh, you want to, to buy a patent or a patent application, let's say from a startup, um, which has a very promising uh, drug candidate and you, you want to have it, but uh, the foundation of this uh, patent application is again a genetic resource, then you would have to make sure that the, the um, ABS provisions are met, because otherwise it uh, uh, comes comes back to you, and you might have a lot of problems uh, when you cannot prove um, uh, that while accessing this um, uh, this genetic resources you have uh, you were in compliance with the ABS provisions. Okay, now that we have discussed licensing, um, most of the listen listeners are um, from the US and. Uh, IP professionals from the US. Um, you mentioned that the US is not part of the Nagoya protocol or did not ratify the Nagoya protocol. Um, would that have any implications, for example, on litigation if a US corporation is, um, for example, a plaintiff or a defendant in Germany um, or in any other EU country that ratified the protocol? Would that have any implications? Uh, here again, I can say that uh, neither the Nagoya Protocol nor the EU regulation give a direct answer to this. Um, but I uh, think uh, we might have a, have a, have a little hint in uh, the EU, EU regulation. It's uh, Article uh, 2, Paragraph 4, which says that the regulation applies to genetic resources and traditional knowledge associated with genetic resources to which access and benefit sharing legislation or regulatory requirements of a party of the Nagoya Protocol are applicable. So from my point of view, that means that uh, it is sufficient um, that uh, uh, you have one party which is uh, a part or member of the Nagoya Protocol and then the whole regulation uh, will be applicable which could mean that if you are a company from the United States applying for a, a patent in the, the EU, which is obviously a, a member of the uh, Nagoya Protocol, um, the, the provisions of the regulation, regulation are, are applicable. Right. So they must uh, follow the rules uh, when they are... Um... Mem uh, party to a litigation proceedings in the EU or any signatory, basically. Yeah, this could, uh, I think this would be a, a, a sound argument, yes. Okay, so that's very interesting because uh, as we all know, Germany um, is, a, is a playing field for patent litigation, <laughs> an important playing field also for the US companies. We have talked a long time now about the Nagoya Protocol and the question of inventor or biopirate. Um, thank you so much for your time and for your insight. Um, for the listeners who want to learn more about this topic, 
Um, you have written in really interesting articles, uh, one being in the IP journal Gruer, G-R-U-R. I'm linking to that below in the show notes and another one in the biotechnology report. Um, I'm also linking to that article as well in the show notes. Uh, so if people want to learn more, especially the people from the US might be interested in the biotechnology report article. Um, yeah, if they also want to get in touch, if the listeners want to get in touch with um, Dr. Schacht, you can find um, his contact details on the website of the Higher Regional Court. And uh, he will, he might be happy to answer your questions or get in touch with you. And I'm very grateful that you have been on the show. Thank you for your time and thank you for your insight. Thank you for having me here for this nice chat. It was a great, great pleasure for me. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please show us your love by visiting ipfridays.com slash love and tweet a link to this show. We would be so grateful if you would do that. It would help us out to get the word out. Also, please subscribe to our podcast at ipfridays.com or on iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you have a question or want to be featured in one of the upcoming episodes, please send us your feedback at ipfridays.com slash feedback. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can go to ipfridays.com slash iTunes, and it will take you right to the correct page on iTunes. If you want to get mentioned on this podcast, or even have comments within the next episode, please leave us your voicemail at ipfridays.com slash voicemail. You have been listening to an episode of IP Fridays. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by their respective law firms. None of the content should be considered legal advice. The IP Fridays podcast should not be construed as legal advice or legal opinion on any specific facts or circumstances. The contents of this podcast are intended for general informational purposes only, and you are urged to consult your own lawyer on any specific legal questions. As always, consult a lawyer or patent or trademark attorney. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved.